Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Come on, just connect with him. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. You're worthy of our worship, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a great God he is. You know, I don't ever want to take it for granted that the God of the creator of the universe takes time to spend with us. Uh, you know, there's a lot of God's lowercase g in the world today. But there's only one God who is still alive, still rules and reigns. Like I preached last night, still sitting on the throne. And I'm thankful that he loves us enough to come and spend time with us doesn't have to but he chooses to so I don't want to ever take that for granted to think that the God who created everything loves me enough to come and spend time with me so I wonder would you just one more time just lift your hands and let's just thank him for that thank you God for being here tonight thank you God for spending time with me Lord I'm not worthy of it God but I'm thankful I'm not worthy of your grace and your mercy, but I'm thankful. I'm not worthy of such sweet fellowship, but I'm grateful for it tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's my honor to be back in the house of God tonight. Once again, I give tremendous honor to the McGee family. Love and appreciate them so much. Had a wonderful time of fellowship last night. I got to eat with the one and only Spider-Man. And uh, we had a great time and talking and reminiscing. And uh, just, uh, I love fellowship. I love people of God. I love uh, people that love God and are busy in the Father's business. And I just love spending time with them. And so I'm thankful for the friendship that God has blessed me with through your pastor and his wife and, and their family. And to other saints of God that are friends of mine here tonight and so thankful uh, that the Lord has blessed me uh, with this connection with this church and I'm so thankful to be back here once again if you have your Bibles I ask you to turn to the book of Exodus Exodus the third chapter once again I want to preach a preach a principle of revival tonight if you allow me Exodus the third chapter We'll read verses 1 through 4. Exodus 3 and 1, if you have it, say amen. If you're still looking, say hold on. If you didn't look at all, say that's me. At least we're honest tonight. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Isn't that a great name? Jethro. Is there any Jethros here tonight? If I, if I was ever going to have another kid, I might name him Jethro Maupin the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn. Somebody say turn. I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned, somebody say turned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. I want to preach to you on this thought tonight. It's your turn. It's your turn. If you'll set your Bibles down, lift your hands and hearts to heaven one more time. And let's talk to him in this place. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your great presence, your anointing, your power, your majesty. Thank you for being here tonight, God. And we're asking you once again to anoint us, Lord. Anoint me to preach your word. Anoint your people to hear your word. Not only to hear it, but God, to receive it and to respond to it. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us by your spirit tonight, God. We want to leave this place different than what we walked in. Move on us and touch us tonight. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you give him another hand clap of praise? And the Bible says not only to clap, but to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Come on, that feels good. One more time. Praise him in your own way right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You can be seated in this place. I love the Bible. One of the things I love about the Bible is it's living. And it's amazing how you can read a story your entire life and one day something will jump out at you that you've never seen before. And this is what happened in Exodus, the third chapter to me. I was reading it one time and I realized that the Bible says that Moses turned. Before God spoke, Moses turned. And when Moses turned, God spoke to him. See, in the beginning, God moved, and then he spoke, and then he created. But now we find him with his creation, and his creation is moving first before God speaks. So when Moses moved, or when Moses turned, God spoke to him. We spend way too much time waiting for God to move, and waiting for God to speak. But I believe tonight that God is waiting on us to move. God is waiting on us to turn before He will speak or before He will move. We need to understand tonight on this second night of revival that it's your turn that will cause God to speak into your life. It's your turn that will invoke God to move in your situation because when you move God will move when you turn God will turn and when we act 
God reacts. And I'm thoroughly convinced tonight that if Moses wouldn't have turned, God wouldn't have spoke to him. So it's our turn tonight. It's your turn. It's my turn. When I turn to him, that's when he is going to bless me. When I turn to him, that is when he's going to answer my prayer. When I turn to him, that's when he's going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in my life. When reading this story, one of the questions that would probably arise would be why was Moses on this backside of a desert if you know the story if you've studied it out at all you know that he killed an Egyptian and Moses was running from CSI Egypt and it wasn't so much that him killing an Egyptian was the wrong thing because he was defending a fellow Hebrew but it was that it was the wrong time. Because God knew that if he stayed in Egypt, that the Hebrews would look at him and say, Moses isn't afraid of the Egyptians. Let's make him our ruler. Let's make him our deliverer. But God understood that it wasn't time for Moses to lead his people out of bondage yet. And so we need to understand that God doesn't work on our time. He works on his time tonight. We get frustrated because God doesn't work when I want Him to or the way that I want Him to. But I need to remind myself that He is in control. And I don't need to force the process. And I don't need to force the promise. And I don't need to try to force what I want Him to do or need Him to do in my life. God has a plan. And I've got to put my trust in His plan. That God, I don't understand why you're doing it. And I don't understand why it's taking so long but God I'm going to submit myself to you and I'm going to submit myself to your process tonight see God knew that there was a backside of a desert waiting on Moses isn't it amazing that he found the mountain of God not in Egypt not in Canaan land, not in the promised land, but he found the mountain of God on a backside of a desert. Could it be tonight the reason some of you are on the backside of a desert is because God knows that he cannot speak to you in the middle of your blessing and in the middle of your miracle, but he has to take you, uh, separate you from others. He's got to take you to the backside of a desert so that he can speak to you, so that he can give you clear instruction. So from now on, God, when things are going rough and it feels like I'm not understanding what you're doing. I'm just going to say, God, sometimes it takes a wilderness. Sometimes it takes the backside of a desert to get me to where you want me to be tonight. The mountain of God was on a backside of a desert. And notice Moses had to live in a desert for 40 years before he could lead God's people through a desert for 40 years. God said, 
I can't let you lead them right now. You don't know how to survive in a wilderness. You don't know how to get water. You don't know where to get food. You don't know where to seek shelter. You don't know uh, where to find medicinal plants. You don't know how, how to operate in a wilderness right now, Moses. Uh, you've been pampered living in Pharaoh's uh, house. You've been living in his castle. You, you don't even understand how to survive. And so, Moses, uh, I've got to take you into the wilderness uh, for 40 years uh, so that you can learn how to lead my people through that same wilderness for 40 years and God if it takes some training in my life if it takes me going to a backside of a desert if it takes me going through a wilderness if it takes me going through a valley if it takes me going through a trial to know that God you're going to take it and you're going to use it for your glory then God I'm willing to go to a wilderness I'm willing to go through some trials I'm willing to go through some heartache I'm willing to go through some sickness because you're going to use it for your glory tonight so Moses turns and God speaks to him about how he's going to move he tells Moses that he's going to use him to deliver his people from Egypt. And you know what Moses does? He does what we do when God speaks to us. He begins to question God. In, in Exodus 3.11, it says, Moses says unto God, he, he says, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? So the first question that he asks God, he says, who am I? God, you've got the wrong guy. I, I'm, running from, I'm running from my past, God. you got the wrong guy. I, I've been living for 40 years on this backside of a desert in the wilderness taking care of my father-in-law's sheep. God, you got the wrong guy. Who am I? I am not a deliverer. I am not a mighty man. I am nothing, God. I'm a nobody. But you know what God says to Moses? He says, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters who I am. And God says, I'll go with you because it's not about who you are. It's about who he is. And if you're here tonight and you feel unworthy to be here, you should because we all are unworthy to be here. And I'm not worthy of his grace and I'm not worthy of his mercy. But it's not about me tonight. It's about him looking down on us and saying that's who I want to use. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. It's not about what I can do, but it's about what he can do through me. We need to understand it's not about who we are. It's all about who he is tonight. So then Moses says unto God in verse 13, when I come unto the children of Israel, shall say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. They shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? So here's another question. He says, all right, God, what, if you want me to go and I'm going to do this, they're going to ask me, 
who you, who you are. They're going to ask me who sent me. And God, I need to know who you are. I need to, I need to know something to tell them. So uh, the first question he says is, who am I? And God says, don't worry about who you are. Worry about who I am. And then Moses says, well, if I'm going to worry about who you are, who are you? And God says to him, I am that I am. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And so God answers his second question with what seems to be an incomplete sentence. He says, I am. Now, I am spoken from my voice tonight is an incomplete sentence. But when he speaks I am, spoken from the voice that created the universe, the voice that spoke the world into existence, the voice that speaks healing and resurrection, when that voice says I am, I am coming from that voice becomes the most complete sentence ever spoken in the universe. Because what God is simply saying is, I am, and I'm leaving a blank. Because you can fill in the blank on whatever you need me to be, because I am everything and anything that you need. If you came on a Saturday night and you need healing, he's saying to you tonight, I am the healer. If you're here and you need deliverance, he's saying, I am the deliverer. If you've lost your way, he's saying, I'm the way maker. If you need a father or a mother, that's who he is is. If you need a friend, that's who he is. If you need the Holy Ghost, he's a Holy Ghost filler. The great I am is here tonight. And whatever you need him to be, he is exactly that in this house tonight. So then Moses starts making excuses of why he can't do it. And you know what? If we want to be honest with ourselves, every single one of us, we could be here till this time next week making excuses of why we can't. We can all find excuses of, of why or how we can or why we shouldn't. I've done this and I've done that and, and my family's this and my family's that and I've made this mistake and I've made that mistake. I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities. We can all make excuses for why God can't use us. But let's stop looking at reasons for why we can't. And let's start looking for reasons of why he can. Like I said last night, I'm not here to glorify the things that are wrong in my life. I'm here to glorify him. And so I'm not here to glorify the excuses of why I can't or why I shouldn't or why he shouldn't use me. Instead, I'm just going to start glorifying him and say he can do anything that I need him to do. He can do anything. He can take this worthless vessel. He can take this life that's filled with mistakes. He can take this no. He can take this talentless person and he can do great things because of who he is tonight. And in verse or chapter 4, verse number 1, Moses answers and he says, But behold, they will not believe me 
nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Still making excuses. You know, they're not going to believe who I am. They're not going to believe me. I'm nothing. I'm a nobody. They're not going to believe that you've really talked to me. They're going to think I've been out in the sun too long. They're going to think I, 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 this has just been, a, a, you know, some sort of vision that I think I had. And they're going to think that I'm out of my mind. And so when Moses makes this excuse, now God turns and asks a question. God says, what's in your hand? And you know what I believe? I believe God is still asking that same question today. He's saying, what's in your hand? It's kind of like the prophet when the, the woman, that her, her, her husband had died and, and the creditor was coming to take a, a, her boys as payment. And, and the, the, the prophet didn't say, what does everybody else have? What, what does the bank have? What, what do you have? Uh, what can you get your hands on? No, he said, what do you have in your house? Because it was what was in her house that God was going to use for the miracle. And so God simply says, what's in your hand, Moses? I'm not worried about what Pharaoh has in his hand. I'm not worried about what your father-in-law has in his hand. I want to know what you have in your hand. And can I tell somebody here tonight, God wants to do the same thing to you. He wants to use what you have. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing yourself to other churches. Stop comparing yourself to other preachers. Stop comparing yourself to other music programs. God's not concerned with what they've got going on. He wants to know what is in your hand tonight. And so God performs two miracles with what is in his hand and what and with his hand. The rod in his hand turns into a serpent and his hand, he puts it inside of his coat and it turns to leprosy and then he puts it back in and it comes out normal. So God performs two miracles with his hand and what, is it with, 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 what it was in his hand. And I want, I want you to, what I, I feel like the importance of the miracles that God performed is the first he performed uh, the, 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 the rod turning into a serpent. And then he reaches down again and he tut, grabs it by its tail. He, I don't think I'd have wanted to grab it by its head. He, he grabbed it by its tail and it turned back into a rod. And so we know from Scripture that the serpent has always represented Satan. And so God uses a miracle with the serpent. It turn, his rod turns to a serpent, then it turns back, all because of his hand. And then the other miracle is he puts his hand inside of his vest and it turns to leprosy and he pulls it out and then he puts it back in and it turns normal. And if you, if you know anything about representation in the Bible, leprosy has always been a type and shadow of sin. Because leprosy is a spreading skin disease, and that's exactly what sin is. Sin is a spreading skin disease. And so God uses two miracles, I believe, to prove a point to Moses and to us. God is simply saying, Moses, I have power over the serpent, and I have power over leprosy. In other words, I have power over Satan and I have power over sin. 
and neither one of those things do we have to fear in our life because the God that I'm preaching about has taken dominion and power over Satan and sin. You may have brought some sin in here. You may have been bothered by Satan all day long, but God is victorious. God has all power and all authority over what you're facing in your life tonight. So Moses says unto God in verse number 10, Oh, my Lord, still here he goes with the excuses. I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. So Moses says, I'm not the man for the job. I, I, I'm slow of speech. You know, some think he stuttered. Some said he had a speech of Some say he was just making excuses. But whatever the case is, he says, I'm not eloquent. I, I, I'm, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. But I want you to understand something. Uh, in Acts, the seventh chapter, verse number 22, it says this about Moses. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So the Bible is not contradicting itself. Acts says that Moses was mighty in words and deed, and now here Moses is standing before God saying, I am not eloquent. I can't talk good. I, I, I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. But we understand that one time in Moses' life, he was mighty in speech. He was eloquent. He was mighty in words and deeds. And Moses says that he isn't eloquent, but he's slow of speech and slow of tongue. But the book of Acts says he was mighty in word and, and while he was still living as an Egyptian. So what happened to his speech? Here's what I believe happened. He had just spent 40 years living with sheep. And if there's ever been an animal that has a speech problem, it's sheep. If you listen, they'll even tell you how bad it is. And so Moses had spent 40 years with a bunch of sheep. And it had affected his speech. See, we need to understand tonight that we need to remember who we are in this house. Who we hang out with will change who we are. And I believe a lot of times we suffer from apostolic amnesia because we forget who we are and whose we are. And we forget what God has put in us. And we forget what God wants to do through us because of who we've been spending our time with and who we've surrounded ourselves by. Moses, you need to remember who you are. You need to remember you're not what the 40 years on the backside of the desert says you were. It's who God says you are. And so God sends his brother Aaron to help him. We need each other tonight. God wants us to help each other, not hurt each other. We need to make sure we're helping each other, not hurting each other. So he sends Aaron to help him. And, and you know the story, how it progresses. He goes down, and, and we know all about the plagues. We know about the Red Sea. We know about them wandering through the wilderness. And, and I want to I go to Deuteronomy, the first chapter. 
Notice where Moses is at. He is back. In verse number 6, he is back at that same place where he experienced God. He is back on the mountain, the mountain of God, Horeb, the backside of a desert. And God speaks to him and he says, You have dwelt long enough in this mountain. Notice that. This is where the burning bush happened. This is where water from the rock flowed. And it was as if Moses said, I want to stay in yesterday's miracle. I want to stay in what you did yesterday, God. That's why Jesus instructs us in the New Testament not to hide our light under a bushel because a bushel is a means of measuring yesterday's harvest. And he says, I don't want you to hide your light under what I've done for you or what you've done for me in your past. Don't stay in the past. Don't stay in the Mount Horeb. Don't stay in the past miracles because God has more miracles in our future. Look, I know I love to hear the stories of, of Topeka, Kansas, and I love hearing about Azusa Street, and I love hearing about the Brush Harbor days, and I love hearing the stories of what God did in the past. But let me remind you that the Bible says the greatest revival is not in our past. Our greatest revival, our greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost is in our future. We can't stay where we're at. We can't stay in this mountain any longer. We can't stay in what God has done in our past. He's got something more. He's got a promised land. He's got blessings. He's got miracles. He's got a revival for us. So God says, I know you're comfortable here, Moses. I know, I know this is where I first found you. I know this is where I, I performed miracles, but you've stayed here long enough. Notice the instruction in verse number 7. Turn. Turn you and take your journey. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. God says, you have spent way too much time here, Moses. It's time to turn. It's time. You, the first time I ever spoke to you was because you turned. And if you ever want me to speak to you again, it's time to turn. Because he's not a God that dwells in our past. He's a God that dwells in our future. Three chapters later, Deuteronomy 4, 29. But if thou thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation, anybody been in tribulation? And all these things come upon thee, even in the latter days. If thou, if you're in tribulation and things have come upon you, I've got the key for you tonight. God said, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swore unto thee. So God said unto Moses once again, if you're in tribulation, the answer is still the same. You've got to turn to me. 
Moses, if you want me to speak to you, you've got to turn on that mountain. But Moses, in the future, when things go wrong and you need me in your life, the answer is still the same. I've got to turn to God. If you need him tonight, you need to turn to him. If you've got to have a miracle in your life, you've got to turn to him. If you need him to deliver you, you've got to turn to him tonight. Very familiar scripture. We can all quote it. It is exactly what our country needs today. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, but that's not where it stops, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Not only do we have to humble ourselves, not only do we have to pray, not only do we have to seek Him, but God instructs us if we want to, uh, the heavens to be opened, if we want Him to forgive us, if we want Him to heal our lands, we've got to turn back to Him. It's time to turn back to righteousness. It's time to turn Turn back to holiness. It's time to turn back to Him tonight. Lamentations 3 and 40. Let us search and try our ways. And turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Joel 2.13. And rend your heart and not your garments. And Turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. I don't know if you've noticed yet, but there's a lot of things that we need to do, but we need to make sure we turn to Him tonight. God says in Hosea 7 and 8, He says, Ephraim, Joseph's son, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now, I know, I know in, in, in our modern technology, turning a cake is not anything we have to do anymore with our ovens. But I remember back in the old days, not that I'm that old, but I remember when women, when they were making a cake, would have to go in and turn the cake. Because if they didn't turn the cake, the cake would be burnt on one side. And the other side would be left in a doughy condition. And neither would be fit for food. And so both sides of that cake would be ruined. One would be burnt and the other wouldn't be cooked enough. And this is an image that God gives us of inconsistency. Always in one extreme or another. And he shows us what will happen if we don't turn. If I don't turn, part of me will be burnt by life. And the other part will never be what God wants it to be. So if I want to be who he wants me to be, and I want to become who he wants me to become, I've got to turn to him tonight because I can't stay where I'm at. I can't stay in the place that I'm at. I can't stay in the condition I am. I've got to turn to him tonight. In our salvation message that is found in Acts 2.38, you know what that message is really all about? 
turning. Because Peter says, the first thing you need to do is repent. You know what repentance is? Repentance isn't just asking God to forgive us. But repentance is turning from the life that we were living. Turning from the path that we were walking down. And so repentance is a message of turn. I want to turn from living this way and turn to living righteous. I want to turn from living for the world and I want to turn to live for God. And then, you know what baptism is? Baptism is when we, after we repent, we follow God. We follow Jesus in his death and then we follow him in his burial by by being buried in water in the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus. And you know what we, why we bury that old man? So that he won't turn back into the person that he used to be. Because repentance isn't enough. Just believing in him isn't enough. I've got to die, and then I have to bury that old man so he won't be resurrected. So he won't, so he won't turn back into who he used to be. And you know what the Holy Ghost is? Because that's what the Bible says. If you'll repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you know what the Holy Ghost does in our life? It turns us into victorious people. It turns this corruptible into incorruptible. It turns this mortal into immortality. So this Acts 2.38 salvation message is going along with what I'm preaching tonight. We've got to turn. If you've never repented, it's time to turn. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, it's time to turn. If you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's your turn tonight. It's your turn that's going to change your life. As we all stand across this house. One last scripture. Zechariah 1 and 3. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts. God instructs us through his word to turn to him. But notice this is a little different than the other scriptures. Because in this scripture, God tells us what he'll do if if we'll turn. He says, turn unto me, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord. So God says, if you'll turn, I'll turn. And I don't have time to preach to you tonight about when God turns. Because he turns your mourning into dancing. He turns your sorrow into joy. He turns the curse into a blessing. So when I turn, God turns. If you don't like where your life's at tonight, it's simple. It's your turn tonight. If you don't like what you're going through and what you're facing, it's simple. It's your turn. If you want this church to explode with revival, it's your turn. If you want your family saved and you want your community saved, it's your turn. If you want to be healed, it's your turn. If you want God to move in your life, the answer is it's your But I can't do it for you. Pastor and bishop can't do it for you. Your neighbor can't do it for you. Because God says, if you will turn. Not if 
The person beside you does it. But if you'll turn, he'll turn. And God will start turning some things around in your life. So I wonder as we all bow our heads and close our eyes all across this house. I wonder, is there somebody here tonight, maybe you've never repented of your sins? You've never been baptized in the name of Jesus? You've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? It's your turn tonight. It's your turn to turn. This is your night. God has orchestrated this service. God has orchestrated this message. God has brought you to this altar service tonight so that you can turn things around, so that you can turn from the life you've been living, so that you can bury the old man or the old woman so you won't turn back into that person, and so that God can turn things around after he fills you with the Holy Ghost. Or maybe you've already repented, you've already been baptized, you've already been filled with the Holy Ghost, but some things have gone wrong in your life. Maybe you've grown cold on God. Maybe you've, you've turned, but it wasn't the right turn. You've turned your back on Him. It's your turn tonight to turn back to Him. It's your turn tonight to turn towards God and turn your back on the world and turn your back on the past and turn your back on the heartache and turn to God tonight or maybe you don't fall in either one of those categories and you're just saying God I'm ready for a next step God I'm ready for something I've dwelled in this mountain for too long I've dwelled in the past miracles for too long I've dwelled in the past revival for too long and God I am ready for something greater I am ready for another walk with you another step with you I'm ready for my future in you Every category that we fall under tonight, the answer is the same. It's your turn tonight. So I wonder, would there be somebody that would step out of their seat and make your way down to an altar tonight and say, it's my turn tonight. Come on, it's my turn. Nobody can do it for me. It's my turn. Nobody can do it for me. I've got to step out. I've got to turn. That's where God's going to turn when I turn. That's when God's going to speak when I turn. That's when God is going to move. I don't want to be like the prophecy of Ephraim. I don't want to be like a cake not turned. I don't want to be inconsistent. I don't want to be uh, burn on one side and doughy on the other side. I want God to complete in me what he wants me to become in this generation. Come on, it's your turn right now. Come on, on this second night of revival. Last night, we had a personal revival. Last night, we went through the steps in Isaiah. But tonight, it's time to turn. It's time to go to our promised land. It's time to turn things around. It's time to turn to Him so that He'll turn to us and He'll begin doing things that we've been praying about. He'll keep doing things that we've been fasting for. He'll start doing things that have been prophesied about, that we've dreamed about, that we've been promised to. God's going to turn if I'll turn tonight. Come on, it's your turn. Turn to Him. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.